God bless you all. It's good just to worship God together, isn't it? Good to spend time in his presence. We're going to continue looking through Romans, and we're up to chapter 11 now. So you'll be sick of hearing Romans before we're done, I'm sure. But you know what? God's got so much to teach us through this book. God's got so much to teach us through. Uh, and, and even sometimes even this book feels like it's repeating itself. It's similar messages to the last couple that I've actually preached to you. It's a similar message, but it's said in different ways and it's taught in different ways for us to grasp slightly different aspects of the character of God and who God is. So if we're going to go from Romans 11, verse 1, we'll read the first five verses together, and then we'll work our way, carrying on through the passage. It says, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. Did God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. See, God has not forsaken the Jewish people. He didn't actually turn his back on them. See, a lot of them had actually chose to turn around and run away from God. They were Jewish by name. They were maybe even Jewish by what they did, by the culture that they followed. So what they were doing, they were doing all the right rituals, saying all the right things, and doing all the right things at the right time. But they chose to turn their back on him. They chose to actually not engage with him for, in a relationship, the way the last passage in Romans 10, it spoke about relationship. They were choosing not to have the relationship, but they actually wanted to have um, just a religion to follow. And you see, even if you trace it back, as the passage says here, in Elijah's time, Elijah felt like the exact same. And even if you skip forward to our day, sometimes you can feel like the exact same. Everybody's turning their back on God. Everybody's walked away from God. You know, look at this, look at that. Look at how bad things have become. This is a common trend throughout history of different people at different times feeling like they're on their own, feeling like they're the only one or ones left. And Elijah, he was running away he was running away after somebody gave him a death threat. He'd done some amazing things. He took on over 900 prophets on the mount, and he beat them simply by praying, God, show them you're real. They had prayed and all day, literally all day, right up to the evening sacrifice. They had prayed, and they had worshipped their God, trying to call down fire from heaven. And Elijah, very simply soaked the sacrifice with water so it was saturated to the point where the water was running off. One thing that you don't do if you want fire to happen is get wet. Isn't that right? You don't get your fire wet if, you're gonna, if you want it to happen. But what did he do? He saturated it so they know this is going to be God. He removed any element of doubt. So he had just done this 
He'd just done that. Not only that, there had been a drought for three years. And Elijah um, said, you know, now you've turned back to God, the water's going to come back again. And his servant seen a, a small cloud the size of, size of a fist in the distance. And he said, right, it's time to go because the rains are coming. And Elijah actually then hiked up his um, tunic and he run as fast as the chariots. And chariots run about 25, 30 miles an hour. So that's very quick to be running for a prolonged period of time. So Elijah had just done some many miraculous things all through the power of God. And somebody said to him, I'm going to kill you. And he ran away and hid. And after he ran away and hid, he then, God took him on a journey of just sort of going, look, it's okay to be in this place. It's okay to feel like you're the only one. But I want to tell you, you're not the only one. See, we need to remember and always need to keep a kingdom mindset that remains open to God's voice. We need to always be open to what God wants to say to us and through us. We have to remember that he has people everywhere. Even in the place that you'd least likely expect it, God will have somebody in there who loves him and working on his behalf that you won't know about. And that's why if you're praying for someone and you're going, God, I don't know how you're going to reach that person, don't worry because God works in so many different ways facets that we can't even understand the mind of God because God's ways and God's thoughts are so much higher than ours. See, this passage isn't actually talking about predestination. It's not talking about God choosing some and not others and then them having no choice. It's not talking about that. See, we just like anyone can receive God's grace if we position ourselves to receive it. You only get God's grace by positioning yourself to receive it. And that is what is disgusting when it talks about the remnant chosen by grace. The thing is, if you're, only if you're in a position to receive God's grace can you receive it. So, but if you're not willing to receive it, you're not going to get it. And that's in essence what it talked about. It talked about the Jewish people who had walked away from God, who had walked away from the faith, and they had chosen to remove themselves from that position. See, in the same way he, cho he chooses us if we position ourselves to receive it. So we need to, with repentant hearts, come to him and receive God's grace in our life. Verse 6, it says, And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. See, this is the simplest of reminders for us that it's only by God's grace Everything that happens, everything that happens whenever we approach God can only happen through his grace. We cannot earn his forgiveness. We can't earn somebody's healing. We can't earn somebody, anything, that can, anything that we can do as Christians. We can't earn it. It's only through him showing his grace. But that's why we pray in faith. That's why we always pray if we're, if, we're, if we're praying for somebody's healing, we don't come to God in, in, in soft ways. We come to God and in the way he asked. He said to come as my son and daughter, and as a son and daughter, ask, and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be open. It's an affirmative thing. It's a directive thing. That's the grace that we have, that we can boldly approach God's throne now. We don't need to hide back. We don't need to, to come in all low and, uh, and, and slinking down. Yes, we show reverence. I'm not talking about, about reverence yet. But, but yes, we can still walk in in the power that he's given us. 
and enter into his presence. See, God chose Israel as his people. But it's only the ones that chose God as well will be shown his grace. Does that make sense? So just because he chose a people doesn't mean that they chose him. And if they don't choose him, then they, they're not following his plan. They're not following his will for their life. So you can choose to be a member of an organization, but if you don't follow the organization's rules and regulations and whatever, you're not really part of the organization, are you? You might be in name, but you're not actually part of the culture, part of who it is and what it is. The same in church, you can join a church, but if you don't believe what that church believes, you're not really part of the church, are you? And that's why we need to know what it really means to be a Christian. Because we can't be born, you can't be born a Christian. You can't be born, you can be born into a Christian culture. You can be born into a Christian mindset, a people, a nation. That can be, that's a kind of Christian morals. But only, the only way to become a Christian is by grace through faith. That's the only way that we can enter into God's presence. Going to a church will not save you any more than going to McDonald's will make you a hamburger. Or going to a um, Louis Street garage will make you a car. Just by going to a place doesn't mean you are that. It's only through our personal faith in Jesus that it matters. And that is what, that is what happened with the people of Israel. A lot of them wanted the religion, but they didn't want the relationship with God. And that is how we always have to remember, even in our mindset, that it's all about our faith. It's all about us coming to God in faith and allowing him to show us his, his grace. That's the beauty of it. And that's why none of us can earn our salvation. We'll read on from verse 7. It says, What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. The elect among them did. But the others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. See, this is not God choosing some and not others. Remember that God shows his grace to anyone who positions themselves to receive it. So anybody, anywhere in time and history, if they position themselves to receive God's grace, and you know what? God will honor those who want it, but God will also honor those who don't want it. And that is, what, that is a scary thing. God honors the choice that they make, the same as he honors the choices we make as Christians. See, God is everywhere and in everything. Yes, God is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. He's all the omnis. So the thing is, if they've chosen not to receive God's grace, if they've chosen not to receive what God wants for them, the only way for God to honor their wishes so that it will be to actually blind them from seeing him. If they, if they don't want to engage with him in a relationship, their hearts will be hardened. It's the only way he can honor their wishes is to actually shut their eyes to what he's doing, is to harden their hearts 
so they can't feel his presence, so they don't know who he is. And that's the only way God can earn, or earn uh, not earn, um, he can actually honor them, is actually to make them less aware of who he is. And that's why we have to be so careful. If we ask God to reveal himself, we need to be open to whatever way he wants to reveal himself. If we ask God to move in healing power, we have to be willing to, and open to see that healing power in action. If we ask God to do something, we have to expect God to reveal. It might not be the answer we expect, but it'll be God be, will be revealing one way or another. And you see, this isn't just for a time. This is forever. This is always the way God works. Because if we go right back to Genesis, Genesis 6 verse 3, what does it say? It says that his spirit will not always strive with man. See, God will come and God will encourage you and challenge you and wrestle you with you and try and, try and allow you to, um, to be the best you that he made you to be. But if you're so happy and so content in the way you are and you resist God to the point, he'll just, he'll just refuse to he'll step back and he'll allow you to be whatever way you've chosen to be. He won't always strive with your heart to try and further yourself. That's why we need to be careful how we open up our hearts to God. We need, to, we need to be so open to whatever God wants to say to us and through us. And the same way, if we go to Revelation 3, verse 20, it warns us that he stands at the door and knocks. And if we open up our hearts, he'll come in and eat with us. But what if you don't open up your heart and allow God's presence into your life? You're rejecting God. And that verse isn't to non-Christian. That verse is to Christians. That verse is to, to everybody are you willing to open your heart and life up to God? Are you willing to allow him to come in and eat with you and drink with you? Or do you just want a Christianity by name? Do you just want all, all the good things without having to engage in the relationship? This is the challenge that all of us face. If we open up our hearts, he will come in. So you've got to be careful what you ask God for. I remember once I, I, uh, when I was younger, I was like, God, I want to know your heart. I want to I feel your heart. I want to know what it feels like. And after about three days of crying, I asked God to take it back because I just couldn't cope. I couldn't cope with it. And I'm not joking. I was literally, any time I, I was private and alone, I was just in floods of tears because God was just, God had just really given me a burden on my heart. And I was like, God, and I knew it was only a little bit of God's heart but it's all I could cope with at the time, and I was crying. And I just had to go, God, I just, I don't know how to cope with this, so can you take it back, please? Because I just, I, I was just really struggling with it. Do you come to God in the same way and go, God, allow me to see your heart for this area, for this part of my family, for this friendship group, for this church? When's the last time you asked God to reveal his heart and his plans and how he feels about where you are as a person, where we are, as a people. Verse 11, it says, Again I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. See, God offered salvation to the Jewish people first. He offered it to the Jews first. That's what Jesus very plainly said. Salvation is offered first to the Jews, then the Gentiles, and to the ends of the earth. That's what he, Jesus very plainly said. 
But the Jewish people rejected the way God had made. They didn't want to announce Jesus as their Messiah. Jesus is the person that came to save. Now, some did, as we know, because, you know, throughout history, you know, we've seen the people that have chosen it, the Apostle Paul being one of them. That's what he started with. You know, I'm, a, I'm an Israelite. You know, we've seen Peter and other Jews, and, and then there was 3,000 that could see have done the day of um, Pentecost, wasn't there? You know, in the church. So the church was 3,000 strong of Jewish people. So there's plenty of Jewish people that choose to believe it. And even now, we've got Messianic Jews, don't we? Jewish people who believe in Jesus, believe that, believe that Jesus was it. But the thing is, he then went, okay, now the Jewish people have heard, it's time to offer it through the rest of mankind. In the hopes as well that the Jewish people that have turned their back on it will see the grace of God moving in our lives. People who shouldn't really have known about him because... Um, we were Gentiles. We weren't people that God had chosen to follow him and be an example to the rest of the world through. But God chose us as Gentiles. And now we are part of that. We are part of it through our opting in. Because in verse 12, it says, but if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? I was talking about our full inclusion there. See, thankfully, God uses the rejection of the Jews. He used that to show his grace to the whole world. The rejection the Jews shown towards him, he actually then displayed it to all of mankind. So not only is it good for us to see God's grace, but it's good for us to see God's grace at work through the other cultures of this world. You see it from all different types and expressions um, within the church. You see all different styles and all different things. So you've got like even black gospel, uh, African style worship right through to like Australian type Hillsong type worship, you know, right through to some sort of rock, right through to some Indian stuff. And you see all these different cultures worshiping God all in their own ways and bringing so much more riches to God because we're all praising the same God in our own expressions, in our own ways, in the way God designed us to be. See, we all bring different parts and aspects of God to life through the way we engage him and worship him. And that's why it's good to look at other cultures around the world, people who are worshiping God and going, wow, look at how they're worshiping God. Look at how they're worshiping. And, and we can actually honor them. I'll, I'll have to get Pastor Raj, who um, is Divine Church in Dudley. I'll have to get him to come and talk about different styles of, uh, of worship that he's seeing throughout the world, because he he's, he was in India like two weeks ago, or maybe he's still there. I don't know, um, but he goes to India regularly, and he sees like them worshiping Jesus in their way. And he he, he runs a lot of workshops talking about um, ethnic diversity and how different expressions of, and he can actually share he could actually share a lot better than I could about different you know ways they worship God, and different things they do that actually praise God. And that's what this passage is talking about. How much richer are we as Christians because of all the other cultures that all are worshiping God in the right way, in their right way? Because the thing is, we all have our different styles. We all have our different ways of approaching God. And that's amazing. Even in this church, there's many different styles of people that, that worship God in different ways. I, remember, I used to remember as a, um, in the theater company, I find it really hilarious watching audiences. So as you tour around um, the country, you see all different um, people in all different cultures. 
basically watching the same show and reacting differently. And sometimes you'd be in a place and you could literally hear a pin drop the whole way through. But I, and you'd just be sitting thinking, going, are they even engaging in this? So even in the funny moments, you might get a slight tee-hee, but you won't get um, a lot of laughter. And there's some places that the whole place is erupting from start to finish, and everybody's laughing, and it's, and it's just going you know, crazy. And just seeing all these different things. But you know what? Even the, the people in the quiet, they walked out, and as you're walking out, they were thanking you and saying, whoa, I've, never, I've not laughed so much in my life. I've not, I've, I really enjoyed that. It was really, really good. It was really touching. It was really, you know, engaged me and emotional. And you're just sort of going, you know, yes, they're just engaging in their own expression. And that's the riches that we have as a Christianity. We all bring stuff to the table. You bring stuff to the table. And that's an that's encouraging thing for, you know, for us, especially even when we're up worshiping. Whenever we're playing our instruments, we're going, yes, we're bringing our gifts to the table, but the thing is, you with your voice and you with, uh, even sometimes with your silence, you're bringing what God's given you to the table. And we can all walk out knowing we've engaged in worship with God. We can all walk out being encouraged because we've brought what God's given us, even if it is silence. You know, it's sometimes the, most, the more engaged I get, sometimes the quieter I get with God. Yeah, sometimes in some meetings, I've literally been lying just at the side of the room or the back of the room, lying on the floor, just praying with God. It looks like I'm fast asleep, but I'm not. I'm actually praying with God. I'm just spending time with God. And that's the joy of the expression that God has within us, that God has within you. So if you ever walk out going, I didn't get anything from church tonight, it was probably because you maybe didn't bring anything to church. Does that make sense? And that's not in an offensive way. That's in an encouraging way. Because if only if you bring stuff, can you receive? Can you actually be blessed by God? God wants to give us so much more. Verse 13, it says, I am talking to you Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arise my own people to envy and save some of them. For if the rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. So this is not Paul in a bad way saying he wants people to be envious. But he wants, the, he wants the people of Israel to look at Gentile people and say, look at what they've got. Look at what God's given them. Look at the worship they have. Look at the praise. Look at how God's using them. Look at how they're transforming the lives around them. Look at how they're showing the love of God. And they want people of Israel to look at what they're missed out on. Look at what they're missing out on. And that's the envy he wants. He wants a, a holy envy, a righteous envy even where they just sort of go, oh, I want to see God use me in that way. I want to see God use that. See, that's the desire that we should always hope to have, that whatever way we serve God, however we serve God, whatever we do will actually make people question and make people sort of go, what have they got that I don't have? Why, why can they be joyous in the middle of that situation? Why can they be full of joy? Why can they be full of peace? 
I know my mom found it really dumbfounding when she had breast cancer. And she was like, I just can't get over how much peace I'm feeling from God, even in the midst of dealing with the breast cancer. And she was able to go in and she was able to be, to, to be really at peaceful. And she was in there and she was actually, when she was getting her own treatment, she was helping the, the ladies around her who were also getting treatment because she was just so full of God's peace that she was able to um, encourage them and challenge them, talk to them about God. So in the midst of, in the midst of that, she's seen the light and she's seen God's presence with her. See, it all comes down to motives, really. It all comes down to the motives that, that we all have. See, even sometimes people who don't understand it, if you're living in the joy, joyous relationship and peace, you know what, people are going to look in, and because they don't understand it, they'll accuse you. They'll say, you're just trying to flaunt your religion. You're just trying to show off. You're just trying to do this or do that. They'll try and rip you down. They'll try and discourage you. But all we have to do is simply keep displaying God's grace in our lives. That's all we're called to do. We said last week, it's not your job to save people, but it's your job to actually display it to, to others. It's your job to show people the salvation that you've freely received and then talk to them about it and tell them, look, this is something I freely got. You can have it too. See, allow your motives and everything you do to be pure and holy and everything else that you do will be pure and holy. That's what it's talking about um, at, the, uh, at the end of verse 16. If part of the dough is offered at first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If you do something with the right motives, God sees the motives and everything that you do within that is holy. It's righteous. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. See, we all decide to be part of God's tree. In, in essence, he's using symbolism. Through this next part, he's talking about symbolism, about us being grafted into the tree. In verse 17, it says, If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Do not consider yourselves to be superior to these or to those other branches. If you do consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but if they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith, do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. See, this is perfect symbolism of what it means to be part of God's family. We're all called to be part of God's family. And see, a lot of people, Jewish people, who God had chosen, he had chosen that race to be an example. They rejected him. So what did he do? He cut off the branches. He cut them off. And then, not only that, he removed them from the tree. He didn't just cut them off and leave them lying around. He removed them. And then now, he has grafted you and me into the tree through our faith. We've put our faith, so we are now part of Abraham's tree. We are now part of the people of Israel through our faith. We are part of the family of God. So we must not think we're any better because we are part of it but we have to show humble humility and grace that he's allowed us to be part of it. He's allowed us to be in it. And that's why we have to pray for the salvation of all people. That's why we have to pray that everybody will come to saving knowledge, even the Jewish people. 
Verse 22, it says, Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? See, God is willing to save anybody who believes in him. Anyone. He will show his kindness towards anyone who positions himself to receive it. He will display his loving nature to them. See, God wants people to be part of his kingdom. It says in another passage that he would have that no one would perish. God doesn't want anybody. He doesn't want anybody to be separate from his plans. But it's only if we agree to be grafted in. And only if these Israelites, the Jewish people, if they choose to be grafted in again, God will graft them in. So God allows us to be part of his kingdom. God allows anyone who comes in repentance to be part of his kingdom. This is the good news that God gives us. Everybody's welcome. Everyone's welcome. And that's what we can go and tell the whole world. So don't write off the Jews just because it looks like they've turned their back. Don't write off your neighbor because it looks like they've turned their back. Don't, look, don't write off anybody because it looks like they're far from God. Because you know what? God will offer anybody who turns to him grace. He'll offer them forgiveness. He'll offer them salvation. That's why we need to be in a right relationship with him. That's why we allow ourselves to not be the root, but we draw from the root. And what is the root? The root is God. That's where we draw our power from. You on your own will, cannot stand. You're just a branch. But the thing is, when you're grafted in and you're, you're getting your resources from God, you can do anything through Christ who gives you strength. Let's pray together. God, thank you that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God, thank you that you allow us and you enable us to know about your grace, to know about your forgiveness, to know about repentance, to know that if we come to you with open hearts and open minds, that we will see you move, that we will see your heart, that we will see the pathways that you've chosen for us, pathways that lead us in righteousness. God, all of our friends and all of our family and all of the people that we know and even our neighbors and everybody that we don't yet know that don't, doesn't yet know you, God, we give them to you and we say, come and work in their lives. God, you've allowed us and given us the grace and shown us your love. You've shown us that uh, grace through repentance is the only way to salvation. So God, reveal it to them. And if you can use us, God, please do. God, we know that you don't wish anyone to perish, but you will give eternal life to all who believe. So God, we just pray right now that you just continue to use us, continue to engage us, continue to challenge us, continue to allow us to follow your leading. And in all our ways, may we honor you. And we know that you're going to direct our pathways. 
So God, we just thank you for your words. Thank you for your words of encouragement. Thank you for your words of challenge, God. And may we just celebrate everything that you're doing, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship together.